Good afternoon, Osric Show. Welcome on VH Berries. Thank you so much, Victor, for having me. I'm extremely grateful. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. I, I had a lot of errands that I was running around today, but I'm, I'm glad I made it up. I made it here, got the setup ready, and yeah, this is this is pretty cool. This is exciting. I've never, I haven't done my own setup like this before, so this this is cool. Usually, it's either this or the camera for audition <laughs> tapes. Voiceover auditions, and now, now I'm like combining the two powers. <laughs> you are combining the two powers. And if I understood correctly, Osric, you mean that usually the auditions, video, and sound are terrible. I, no, they're not terrible. Usually you'll focus on one. So as an actor, you'll do auditions with, uh, with a video camera. So I'll, I'll just use my phone and, and the audio is good enough. For voiceover auditions, you'll have the mic set up. But it's hard to kind of have a, a space where you can perform to do your, your acting scenes and have like a decent mic as well. I mean, some people have it. I, I, I just don't. So I either have a good mic or a good camera. Never both. <laughs> I also think that you can also say that if the quality is very, very bad, uh, the person in, in charge of the casting cannot see if you are playing correctly. <laughs> it's, it's true. It can't be very bad, but it has to be good enough, <laughs> right? So it doesn't have to be amazing. It has to be good enough. It can't be really bad because then that's just distracting. You have such a wonderful energy. I don't know if it's come from uh, your career as a stuntman that we will discuss later or in the martial arts, or maybe that this is because you've played in numerous uh, super uh, hero and superpower movie and that the power remains in you. Uh, I, I, I have no idea. It's, it's hard to look at yourself <laughs> sometimes, but I, I'll, I'll take it as a compliment. Thank you so much, Victor. Let's retrace the journey of your life, uh, Osric Cho, because uh, you are one of the cases of actors uh, leaving Los Angeles, and right now you are in Vancouver, Canada. That is correct. Over the course of the pandemic, I, I have um, I have realized that I don't need to be in LA. So, uh, so any aspiring actor, if you're not living in LA, you kind of think of going to LA at some point, um, or or New York or one of the big cities. And and for me, I ended up there as well. Um, and I, and I always thought that I had to be in Los Angeles. You know, all the big auditions, casting rooms, meetings are there, and you know they probably still are, but. During the course of the pandemic, we started doing all these Zoom meetings and calls, and all of a sudden, you didn't. Even though I was in LA, I didn't feel like I had to be in LA, and I was just talking to my family a lot and realized that I really had to be in Vancouver to be with my family. And um, you know, I think I'm at the age right now. I'm, I'm certainly feeling getting older a lot faster than I ever thought I would, um, but. You know, I, I, I recognize that my parents are getting older, too, and I, I don't want to miss that time away from them. Um, so I, I wanted to spend more time with them here. And considering that almost everything that I end up filming is in Vancouver anyways, it, it just made a lot of sense. So I, I moved back to Vancouver to be with my family, to, to work here, to, yeah, to just kind of ground myself a little bit because I've, I've been living out of a backpack for 
almost 10 years now. Like, even though I had a place in LA, the first like five years, I didn't. I couch surfed. And then even when I had my own place, I never unpacked because I would always be leaving somewhere pretty soon. So it never really felt that, yeah, never really felt that grounded. Um, so this is the first time in, in my like life possibly that I can remember anyways, where I'm, I'm finally in one place and I'm, I'm happy to be here. You're finally in one place and happy to be here. And do you still miss some of the stuff back in Los Angeles, looking back right now? Uh, I, I miss my friends there. It took me seven years to build a community in L.A. Uh, and <laughs> honestly, like that's the hardest part and the most important part. So once you have that community, like that city just transforms and it turns into something magical because otherwise it, it can be quite isolating even in a city of like four million plus people um so i i certainly miss my friends there there's all all sorts of events and things that you can do but i think for the most part i'm i'm a homebody so i don't necessarily want to go out of my way to go to these events even though i know i should sometimes and yeah i just you know prefer staying at home watching a movie <laughs> You just use a very powerful word, which is homebody, because um, you started your career with a sport that can be done and uh, practiced inside. And I'm talking about the martial arts and um, the stunt areas. Can you tell us a little bit more about this very uh, spacious um a field in which you were amazing and it in that gave you the opportunity to start in the acting career okay i i will say it de it depends on the type of martial arts some martial arts you can practice indoors safely others you kind of want more space <laughs> i so... was just trying to make a transition <laughs> no that was a good segue um But uh, so the I, I practiced several different martial arts. I practiced uh, Wing Chun, which you can do anywhere. Uh, you don't really <laughs> need to move all too much. And then the other one that I did is called Wushu, which is a Chinese performance martial art. That one you definitely need some space. Um, nowadays, they practice on like spring floors, like gymnastics floors. Um, but back when I trained, it was just on the co concrete outside at, at the local park. Queen Elizabeth Park in, in Vancouver. Um, and I loved it. You know, I, I, I had begged my parents to put me in like a karate school or a taekwondo school for, for years as a kid uh, because I would watch like Van Damme movies, Jackie Chan movies, Jet Li movies. And, and they were really expensive for classes. I didn't know that at the time, but they were expensive. And so my mom, she would go through the Chinese classified section every day and eventually she saw an ad for free classes this like chinese coach from from china came and he wanted to teach you know he wanted to find students so he was doing like introductory classes and eventually like my mom like dragged us over there i didn't know what it was and uh, we just got hooked like right away we didn't really know what it was but we started doing it started feeling good about it and that first summer me and my brother we went to two classes every single day and we just got better and better and better. And we knew we were, were starting pretty late. I was about 13 and I just wanted to be the best in the world. And so I just trained as much as we could. And um, in 2007, 
I, I ended up going to the Beijing Sports University. I did a semester at that university for martial arts, for Wushu specifically. Um, that same year, I went to Montreal, and we had the national team trials. Um, so I was competing against Canada. I didn't really compete all that much before, but one of my first big competitions was the national level. I made the Canadian national team, and before we went on to any kind of competitions, I, I booked my first um movie which was a well it's actually a, a mini series it was a two part movie and we yeah that that kind of changed my whole career they they hired me because i could act and i could do my own stunts so i always saw myself as a stunt person i had an agent at the time he saw me as an actor and when he found out that i could do stunts he kind of flipped out and he's like why why didn't you tell me and i'm I told him like it's it's on my resume. I have like this little section of special skills, and one of them is like martial arts. And he's like, I represent Asians. Everyone says they can do kung fu, but no one can actually do it. Certainly not this well. <laughs> and so, like, he just he went crazy. And and sure enough, like within a week of him finding out, I I get that job. And after that, it was just I I was an actor, you know. So yeah, kind of kind of just went that way, and I was I was very happy for it. Osric Cho can act, can do martial arts, and in addition of that, he has a great setup. Oh my god, that's crazy! <laughs> yeah, I mean, like nowadays, I'm now I'm old and and broken, and like the kids coming up nowadays are so good. It's so good. So I'm 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 an old dinosaur now. Like I, I have a. I have a saying now, like I've I've passed the point of needing to train my body. I I need a I need to train my mind because. The body's deteriorating too fast. I don't have Alzheimer's just yet. So, <laughs> at the beginning, you just yeah. mentioned the fact that you train in uh, two times per day, which mm -hmm. is very intense. So, I mean, I you assume do, that so uh, you, you do that while you can. Like when I was at the Beijing Sports University, we were training eight hours a day every day. Like that was my life. I didn't do anything else. I woke up, ate breakfast, went to train you know, watch the class train, like the advanced class, and then I would go have lunch, and then we go train again, then we do weights, and then we do another class, and then we go home and we'd watch videos, and then we'd wake up at 6 a.m. the next day and we'd do it again. And we did that every single day for like six, seven months. And like looking back at, at it now, I'm like, I, I can't believe I did that. Like I, I take a walk across the street now and I'm sore. Right. So like it was it's just so <laughs> crazy to think that there was a time in my life that I was able to do that. Um, and, I, and I think my body remembers. Right. So you kind of have like some kind of memory in, in your system. So if if I start exercising regularly, I, I will notice that my body changes shape fairly quickly. And I think it's just because like I've been there before my if if I'm telling my body. Like here are all the signals we're gonna we're gonna do that thing again. Like they'll you know everything will kind of fall in line. So that's kind of cool. Um, that being said, almost all of the martial art coaches and masters that I know uh, they're all kind of uh, they kind of let themselves go after a while. So I feel like as much as your body can go back to where it was, it, it also lets loose really easily. So if I do nothing, I feel like I'll just end up being being a blob, and I'm okay with that. It fits the Fits the couch really nicely. And Osric Cho, doing uh, martial arts uh, gives you an advantage. But I also think that 
uh, on movie sets, there are a lot of um, footage and a lot of cuts. So it's easier uh, in post-production to make it look more um, realistic, which means that some actors don't need to do martial arts. I don't know if I'm correct, but this is just a hypothesis. Uh, well, to be fair, we we have such incredible stunt performers nowadays uh, that, yeah, you, you don't need to be able to do any of the things. Like, it, it certainly helps if if an actor can perform the stunts that they need to, but even if they can, the insurance producers, they might not allow them to do it, right? So you rely on these incredibly talented stunt performers who are there to essentially make the actors look good, right? It it helps for an actor to to understand the movement, to understand the blocking of what's happening so that they can sell the movement. So even if you're not doing the move, if you know how it starts and how it begins, you can come into or out of those those movements in a realistic way, right? So, I mean, these are all very minor details. I don't even know if your your everyday audiences will be able to figure out the difference, but for a trained eye, those are the things that you pick up on. And for myself as a performer, I, I will always have a stunt double. And they're probably always going to be like way better than I am, as they should be. That's their job. They train every day now, not, you know, 10 years ago like I used to. They're doing that now and they're getting better and better and they're, and they're great at what they do. And so you rely on their skill set to, to do the things that they need to do. And then for me, I just try my best to make sure that I can complete the movement, right? So it's, they do like 90% of it. You do the last 10%, but you also have to do that last 10% very well um, in the action stuff, anyways. <laughs> and Osric Cho, one another uh, very realistic costume that you had is the one in Star Trek Discovery in which you played <laughs> Oros. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was a that was an experience for sure. So one of the things they asked me during the audition was, "Are you claustrophobic?" And I, I wasn't quite sure why they were asking that. I'm like, "No, not I don't think so." Um, and so sure enough, they it was like a full prosthetic, and part of that procedure is they cover your entire head with silicone, and and so like they have someone who just like flicks the silicone off your nose because it's just running all over your face. So if that person's not there, it's quite easy to suffocate. Um, so it can be quite claustrophobic because your whole head is like covered with uh, like paper mache or something. And it's like that for like maybe 30 to 40 minutes. And, um, and so that's kind of terrifying. And then when you actually put the costume on months later, I, I had no nose hole, so I couldn't breathe out of my nose. I had to breathe through my mouth. And so the difficulty in this was, like, I, I couldn't eat, right? And, like, I remember the first day, I, I, it was, like, that's when I started feeling the claustrophobia because I was I like to snack a lot, and I was trying to snack, and I was, like, suffocating when I was trying to eat. And it, it was so sad. <laughs> but by the second day, I kind of figured it out, and I just had to, like take a deep breath and then I'd put whatever snack in my mouth and I would chew really fast and I would try to like exhale I was as I was eating and I, I got pretty good at it so day one was a little traumatic but a, but after that I yeah I, I feel very comfortable like I could probably do a whole show in that prosthetic now um, just needed a day to just 
you needed a day to adjust and I hope that one day we will see a time-lapse compilation <laughs> of uh, the costume oh, uh, yeah. removal and, um, and the costume when it was put it on you. The, I think the VFX people have... I think they did take footage of that. I'll, I'll have to check with them. They might have. I can't remember. That was months ago. Like, I forgot I did the show. That was in, like, May of last year, and then it came out eight months later, so... Usually by the time a show comes out, I, I will have forgotten that I've done it at all, um, unfortunately. But having seen it now, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Oh yeah, I remember that. Some parts I, I don't remember at all, even with the, with the, the help, but, <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> you mean that during the hours, during uh, the time they put it all the costume, you were asleep? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I absolutely it takes about two hours to put that all in and um and it's like 4 a.m so it, it's very easy to sleep <laughs> and osric joe when i'm taking a deeper look at the span of your career um i realized that uh, you have went through a true creative uh, transformation and that this transmission of a specific value is crucial and essential in your work uh i feel like i've probably been through a, uh, several transformations you know if i have one mantra in life in terms of what my purpose is it, it is to learn right like i i i never profess to know everything i certainly know very little and all I can do is continue to, to to learn and educate myself and hopefully better myself because I want the tomorrow me to be better than today me and certainly I have a lot of things that I could improve on um, and that's all I try to do is try to be better because um, because I don't yeah I don't know how else how else I would want to live it just feels very pointless otherwise so yeah just constantly trying to be better. You want to constantly trying to be better at the complete opposite of the tomorrow's world of the movie 2012. Oh yeah, well, tomorrow <laughs> doesn't even happen for a lot of people, unfortunately. Yeah, I think we have to be, we just have to be grateful. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how bad you had like I've I've had some really terrible times in, in the last couple of years and you know I always have to rem remind myself like hey I'm still here family's still here they still love me you know I I have I have a lot to be grateful for and, and it's sometimes it's so hard to remember and remind yourself of the things that you have around you because the negatives are so so much like they're just so strong and prevalent in your in your field of vision that you forget but um i try to remind myself of all the the good things that i have in my life so that i i can appreciate them while they're still there because they're not going to be there forever either of course and i just made a reference to one of the movie in which uh you played which is 2012 uh which was a movie that was a headline uh back in 2008 eight or nine if i remember correctly yeah i think it came out uh, in 2009 we filmed it in 2008 
Um, and this was the movie that followed that first project that I got, um, the, the Kung Fu movie. This was the, the second job I got directly after that. And, uh, this one certainly changed my life. It was a big, big blockbuster film. I think it was like two to $300 million budget. Um, to this day, I think it's still the biggest movie that has ever come through Vancouver and I had a supporting role in it. So I was on day one of that shoot and I was on day like the last day of the shoot, which was, I don't know how many, like a hundred something. It was, it was kind of insane. That had the most money on a production that I've ever seen. And it's, it's hard to, to fathom another project production doing what they did like we had we had a tibetan village that we filmed for one day they spent three months building it we filmed one day and then they tore it down like i'm like that you just spent three months building an entire village (laughs) for one day it it just seemed excessive but you know they they did it and you know the movie did really well they made almost a billion dollars back so so good on them and 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 I thank them for putting me on the poster. And again, that that one was the one that kind of launched my career. And it kind of solidified the fact that, like, in my mind, and, and I think my fa- family's mind, like, okay, like, Osric, you might actually be an actor. This might be your your career from for he- here on out. And, and then I just kind of, yeah, I went with it and, and made it happen. These are the words coming from your mother, for example. Well, I don't know if they said those words, but I think there was a feeling in the room that I'm just gonna, I'm gonna take as, as they implied it. (laughs) No one knew, no one knew anything, right? Like at the time I, there, there weren't that many Asian actors. In fact, no one, no one I knew could name a professional Asian actor. Right. Beyond Jackie Chan and Jet Li, they like no one could name one. And so it didn't make sense for me to pursue this career path. And so the reason why I say my my family kind of gave me their blessing was because they said, hey, if you want to do this, you should move to China. Right. Like you should consider going to China where all the Chinese roles are, where they actually have Chinese people in film and TV. And and so I did. I moved to China for a little bit. I lived there for a couple of years and uh and and the first thing that I learned was that I'm very Canadian. Uh, as much as I am of Chinese heritage and descent, I am very Canadian. And I could not... Yeah, I, I just... I recognized how different the values are and how different the culture is. And I, and I just felt like I was pretending to be someone that I, I wasn't in trying to pretend like I was a local Chinese just because I, I looked like I was. If I understood correctly, Osric Cho, you mean that you are losing this sense of authenticity? Yeah, and I think as as an artist, as a performer, you're you're just trying to find your true self, right? Like we're we're just constantly discovering ourselves. Like who are we? What are we supposed to be? Who do we want to be? Right? These are the questions that I'm always asking myself, and sometimes you turn it to something that you you hate. And you're like, well, this isn't the direction I want to go in. How do I change that, right? And as a, I mean, as a performer, as a, as a person, we have to make those choices. And if we're not heading in that right direction, we have to assess our lives, and then we make those decisions that will 
kind of turn us in in the right course right so at that time as a performer i i wasn't i wasn't fulfilled i felt like i i was missing something in life and i, I think a big part of that was that i even though i was working i i didn't feel like i was doing my myself a service i guess because i i wanted to make change in my own community and and unfortunately china wasn't my community like i appreciate like i loved living there i loved my time there i loved my friends there but it just wasn't my community and i felt like i wanted to go back to north america and make a mark for the asian americans asian canadians here because i knew the struggles that i i faced growing up and and i didn't want other people to have to go through those same struggles and that was kind of a launching point in terms of me finding a purpose for myself and what i was doing and in china i just didn't really have that beyond needing to find work for the sake of it and without any surprise and very ironically uh in the year 2012 you started uh, playing in surnatural um which introduced you uh, starting from the season uh, seven. Yeah, so Supernatural was, I mean, that would be the next like big launching point in my career. Um, didn't know it at the time. I didn't even know the show at the time. I didn't, never really heard of it. I was passing through Vancouver from Beijing on my way to LA and I just had an audition. Um, and so I, I went to the audition and then I went to LA for another audition and I got offered both parts and they told me I couldn't do both of them. So I declined Supernatural, went with the other one and eventually the other one, they're like, oh, well, it's actually the same company. They're both Warner Brothers. We don't want to lose an actor. We'll, we'll, we'll work it out. And so the other one didn't go through when Supernatural happened and, and even like when I was on, on set, like didn't really think much of it. Just really nice people were making a TV show. And, and then a couple episodes in, I remember like some of the guys, like, I mean, I couldn't even figure out Jared and Jensen's name at the time. I kept mixing them up. I'm like, they were both tall white guys with J names. It's just so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, I think it was Jared. I think it was Jared. Jared started telling me, he's like, oh yeah, like just so you know, like, fandoms fandoms intense there's you're gonna start hearing about these conventions and all that and just like you know have fun with it appreciate it, blah 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 and i had no idea what he was talking about or why he was talking about this stuff um and turns out show has a massive fan base and you know it it just yeah that changed my life forever i started going to comic cons as a guest i used to go to comic con a lot and all of a sudden i went to Comic-Con as a guest instead of just an attendee. So it was, it was certainly a, a, a big shift um, and a weird transition because, I don't know, you see, you see something from one perspective this whole time and then all of a sudden you're on the other side. It, you know, it, there's certainly a, an adjustment that, that takes place. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy, but it was fun. And Osric Cho, during this very important transition, uh, coming back to Vancouver, um, another very major portion of your works uh, includes um, this uh, ability to uh, wanting to explore more 
and um, to contribute to your own community through uh, developing some uh, television series, for example, on uh, CBT uh, Bell? Uh I mean, that's what I'm working on now, right? Like nothing set in stone, but I've, I've been watching a lot of Canadian content uh, since I've been in Canada. And I, I, it's nice, you know, it, it's nice to just watch <laughs> and hear stories about where you're from, you know? And I, I, and I forgot about that. I think I, I was so obsessed with like living in LA, being an LA actor, trying to create content for Hollywood, you know, it, And at the end of the day, I'm I'm so proud of being Canadian. I I love Canada so much, and I, and having lived here now, I I just want to do stuff for Canada, right? And so I started watching a lot of CBC shows, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is great. I can definitely do something for my hometown. I want to do something like for Vancouver, for Richmond specifically, uh, which is where I'm at. Um, I want to do something for my hometown that like my parents can appreciate because they also live here. We have so little in common, but we all know this city, right? So I think it, it's it's also trying to set up something else for, for me to connect with my parents on. Um, so I, I'm very excited to develop Canadian content um, and whether or not I, I end up working with CBC or Bell or, or Crave or whoever. Um, That remains to be seen, but I'm, I'm certainly going to, uh, to, to try. <laughs> If I understood correctly, Osric Cho, you mean that you are now wearing different and new hats. For example, a hat for producing. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's exciting to be, to be on the producing side, to, to be writing. Um, I directed my first short film last year that I also wrote. Um, it, It's quite fun. I think as an actor, a lot of the times you, you feel like you don't really have much control over anything. Um, and so you're kind of reliant on having like trust in the teams that you're working with. And sometimes, sometimes that's great because most, most crews are great. Most, you know, most creatives are really good, but sometimes you'll come across a couple that'll just like put that thought in your head and you're like, ah, I would have done this differently. I would have done that differently. Why are we doing this? And and I think if if you find yourself asking that question a lot, you, you probably should try being on the other side. And you'll either learn to appreciate just how hard it is, and you're like, oh, okay, I, I definitely understand why they did that. I there's no other way of doing it. Or or you'll or you'll just like really embrace it. And you're like, oh my God, I, I can do the things that I've been complaining about and now I can do something about it, you know, so, I, or, or both, right? So I, I certainly appreciate being able to, to kind of affect the change that I want to see. Um, but I certainly understand the incredible amount of pressure that, um, that a director has on a set. It's like, if things screw up, it's your fault, right? If we don't make our day, it's your fault. Like it, Pretty much, if anything goes wrong, it's your fault. So you just gotta <laughs> be good, right? And I, I think I'm, I'm at the point where I feel like I'm experienced enough to kind of take on that burden of responsibility. There's so many people that I've worked with over the years that I, I think are incredible at their jobs. And, and so there's a joy in being able to put together that talent so that we can do a fun project as well and make, create something special. Um, so there's certainly a lot that I appreciate of being on the other side of camera that I, I want to explore a lot more of. 
Osric Cho, you just mentioned a seven-letter words that means a lot for me. This word is control because <laughs> I believe that the ownership is something that is very crucial in the entertainment industry and even beyond. Yeah, and it again, as an actor, you have very, very little control. Uh, I mean, at the beginning, you're just hoping to get an agent. You know, you're sending all these emails to agents. And you're hoping the, like, oh, I hope someone gets back to me. I hope someone will represent me. And then you get an agent and you're going to all these auditions. Well, you're hoping for auditions for one. Like, oh, I can't wait till I get an audition. You get auditions. You're like, oh, man, I hope they like me. I, I hope the casting director is like... I, I feel weird like was it weird for them because it was weird for me i don't know and like you're, you're just you're always like looking to the other side for some kind of feedback or or acknowledgement and you're like ah oh, please just like validate me and my feelings like I, that one felt really good for me i feel like i'm perfect for the role and you just don't know because you have no control and even when you're on set if you you know You got the job. You were you are the one that they chose out of hundreds of people. You're on set. You do the scene. You didn't really feel well, and they're like, "Moving on." You're like, "But did we get it?" Because that, I, honestly, I felt like I I got forty percent there, and I have another sixty that I want to get closer to. And they're like, "No, we got it. Moving on." And you're you're left doubting yourself as to whether or not you did a good job. <laughs> so you have very little control, and uh, I think I. I struggle with that because I, uh, you know, to some degree I'm a perfectionist, um, but I also like appreciate the collaboration uh, of film and TV. I think that's probably the most fun aspect of it. And and part of me going on the other side is I, I need to understand what everyone else is doing so that I can do my part better. And I know that I can trust someone when they say, we got it, we can move on because I understand what they're looking for for that specific shot. Right. And so I think in understanding everyone's role, you kind of get better at doing your own thing and you can, you know what to focus on when you need to focus on it. Absolutely. And during your early uh, career and the early stages of your career, um, you were always keeping that momentum uh, because when I'm talking to you and listening, I feel that your uh, mental health wasn't really Uh, that affected because you knew um, your worth and you knew your values? I, I mean, if I can take pride in anything, I, I suppose it would be my mental resiliency. Um, I mean, that being said, like, it's still really easy to forget. Like, I mean, we, we just went through a worldwide pandemic. We might be in the middle of a war right now. Like, there's so much happening. And, you know, I certainly went through a couple of tough periods that it's easy to forget that you're a capable person. It's easy to forget that you, you can do all the things that you know you can do right? That you've succeeded before. You can definitely succeed again. And, and sometimes all you want to do is just like give up and, and die. And, you know, I think it's so, it's so easy to fall into those traps. And, you know, sometimes all it takes is for someone to say, hey, you're not all those things you think you are right now. Let me remind <laughs> you of the things that you've done before. You can definitely do it again. Right. And, and so like, I think, That's my favorite thing about film and TV. It's a collaborative process. Like 
sometimes you do things on your own, but it's still, you're doing it on your own, but in, in a greater cause, like everyone comes together. And when you're down, you have partners there to, to lift you up. And when they're down, it's your job to lift them up, right? Like you're all in this together. So I think that that's the amazing part of this, this industry is that we have to find that, those people, that community, right? And it, it's the same with honestly anything. Like living in LA is tough without a community because when you're down, you're just down by yourself. There's no one there to lift you up, right? And so I think it's the same for anyone in any industry. Like the people you surround yourself with is so important. And if they're making you feel terrible, then maybe they're not the best for you. If they're making you be a better version of yourself, then you're probably heading in the right direction. And one key point um, that I can add to go into the right direction is to just breathe, but not breathe like Oros in Star Trek. You need to breathe with the nose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, definitely just like slow yourself down a little bit, calm, you know, taking deep breaths certainly helps to kind of like just focus on the things that you need to focus on. So, uh, I mean, I have a couple of philosophical pieces that that kind of help lead me through and and another one that kind of helps keep me calm is you know i i will control the things well I'll, i'll worry about the things that i can control right anything else i just have to forget it right until i can do something about it because otherwise you suffer twice right you suffer the worrying of what might happen and you suffer the happening of it but if there's nothing i can do about it well i i just I, I won't think about it because there's nothing I can do about it, right? So I only worry about the things that I can actively change and affect at this moment. Nothing else. Nothing else. Osric Cho, I really appreciate your energy and your time. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Victor. It's been nice talking to you. <laughs>